Feel really good. Well, we are uh, about to begin a series in prayer called Pray First. And uh, this is going to be a three-week series. We're doing 21 days of prayer here at Afraid of Foursquare Church. And uh, I'm going to move this out of the way because I know I'm going to kick it over. And uh, I'm excited for, for what God is going to do. I believe that our, our, our first resort should be, uh, our, our first response should be prayer. It shouldn't be our last resort. It should be our first response in everything that we do. It should be prayer. And um, I'm excited uh, to pray alongside of you. If you haven't signed up for the daily uh, um, prayer reminders or the daily focus reminders, I encourage you to go onto our website, afraidoffoursquare.church, and sign up for those prayer reminders. You can, uh, you can put in your email, and there's going to be a prayer focus for every day throughout these 21 days of prayer. So today is day one, and some of you might have already seen, but the prayer focus is our hearts, that God would change our hearts in this series, that we would open up our hearts to whatever God would work through us and in us uh, throughout this series. And so today is about praying for our hearts, that God would would soften it, God would transform us, and uh, you can go onto our website, onto the prayer resources, and you can see um, the prayer focus for every day throughout the 21 days of prayer, and this Saturday will be our first corporate prayer gathering, so this Saturday, January 9th at 9 o'clock, we're going to meet here, uh, and we're going to pray and worship for about an hour together. Uh, it's not going to be just an hour of straight on your knees worship, so uh, it's going to be a mixture of, of, of time that we sing together and time that we spread out throughout the room and, and do some focused prayer. And so I'm excited for these 21 days. There's no better way to start the new year than in prayer. Prayer is what links us to God. It's what gives us a relationship with God. Can you imagine for a moment that you're getting married and you walk up to the altar and you look your spouse in the face, and there's smiles on your face, and you exchange vows, and as soon as you walk off the altar, you never speak to each other ever again. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, that is what life, that is what the life of a Christian who does not pray looks like. That's what that looks like. That prayer is what links us to God. It's our relationship with God. It's our communication with God. I would say this, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I cannot have a relationship with God if I do not speak to him. I cannot have a relationship with God if I do not speak to him. <laughs> Many of us, I think, remember a time uh, when we prayed for something seemingly insignificant. When uh, I remember one time <clears throat> I had lost my wallet. I was about 16 years old. I think I just got my license. I lost my wallet. I couldn't find my wallet. And I prayed and asked the Lord, God, would you please help me find my wallet? And I heard him say, look behind the dresser. And I never looked there before. I pulled out my dresser and my wallet was sitting right there. Or maybe you've had this experience before. <clears throat> maybe you've um, been driving in your car and you look at your gas tank and it's on empty and you're in the middle of nowhere, what did, what did you do? I put my hands on the dashboard and Jesus, please get me to the next gas station because I don't want to be stranded out here in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. Just please get me to this next gas station. We, we, I think we can all remember praying for something that was seemingly insignificant. And, and let, me, let me say this, that God does care about the little things. God cares to be involved with our everyday things. But throughout this series, I want to focus on the type of prayers that change the course of history. 
I want to focus on the type of prayers that change a town, that change a community, that change the hearts of people, the type of prayers that we hold on to because I believe that there is a difference between praying for something and praying through something. There is a difference between praying for and praying through. It's refusing to let go until God gives you an answer. And sometimes the answer is yes, Sometimes the answer is no, and worst of all, sometimes the answer is just wait. Because how many of you know that's a hard one when God says it's coming, but you just got to trust my timing. You've got to trust that the timing is just right, that I am in control. I believe that our prayer life should reflect that of Israel's march around Jericho. You know the story, those of you who have been going to church a long time, where uh, God gave Abraham a promise 400 years before the Israelites even looked at Jericho. 400 years before that, God gave a promise to Abraham that I'm going to take you from your homeland and I'm going to lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm gonna give you a promised land. And so the Israelites have been waiting for this dream to be fulfilled. They uh, have just been released from Israel and they're wandering around in the desert and they're about, they're all excited with anticipation because they're about to step into the dream that God gave them 400 years ago. They've been talking about it for years and years and the time has finally come. But what happens as they approach the promised land, they come to the city of Jericho and they see these towering walls and I'm sure that all of Israel are shaking in their boots as they get closer and closer and closer. The skyline of Israel, excuse me, the skyline of Jericho gets higher and higher and higher and terror starts to feel, fill their heart because they're thinking to themselves, listen, we've come all this way, we've waited all this time and now there's something in the way. There's an obstacle in the way. So what does Joshua do? He goes to the Lord in prayer, he gets alone. And he prays, he says, Lord, what would you have us do? And I'm sure he's thinking, I've got it. He's gonna ask me to get out the battering rams, make some battering rams. I know what he's gonna do. He's gonna ask us to scale the walls. But Jesus says, excuse me, God says to Joshua, circle the city. Circle it until the walls come down. Trust me. Can you imagine being put in this position where God is telling you to do something crazy? He's telling you to do something supernatural to take down something physical. He's asking you to reach into the spiritual realm and trust in his power in order to tackle a physical obstacle. And so what does Israel do? They obey. They march around the city day one. And I'm sure if you were one of those Israelites are going, this is ridiculous. I have no idea what we're doing here. Why are we doing this? Joshua, did you hear right? Day two, okay. I, you know, yesterday was, are we really gonna do this again? Nothing happened yesterday. Why are we doing this again? But Israel continued to circle. They continued to circle the city. And on day seven, I'm sure this is what they thought at the beginning. Here we go again. What, seven times today? We gotta go around it seven times today? They're circling the city until what happens? The walls begin to shake and they all come crashing down. I think that our prayer life needs to look like this, where we circle our problem, where we circle that thing in faith and wait for the walls to come down. 
Oftentimes we pray for something and we give it to God and say, okay, God, I did my part. I I prayed the prayer. I'm done. It's up to you. I think what God wants us to do is to press in. And for these 21 days, I want us as a church to press in to our prayer request to God. I want us to press into the heart of God, to circle the city, to circle our prayers until we see the walls come crashing down. You are always one prayer away from a miracle. You are always one prayer away from breakthrough. You are always one prayer away from provision. God wants us to press in. In these 21 days, I encourage you, church, to press in. And let me ask you this morning, what is your Jericho? What is that thing? What is that obstacle that is keeping you from stepping into the promise of God? What's that thing that's been, that's been keeping you from experiencing that? Let's press into that today. What is that thing in our nation or our society that you, that you believe just needs to change, that is causing division? Let's press into that. Let's circle that in these 21 days of prayer. I want to share a story. Years ago, my family experienced a Jericho miracle. My dad didn't know I was going to tell this story, but, but years ago, uh, we, my parents hosted a, uh, a Belarusian girl named Natasha, and it was during the Chernobyl uh, um, nuclear explosion that had happened. They were evacuating the area, and so they were getting kids out of the area, and so they were sending kids to the, to the States, and we, uh, as a family, hosted a girl named N- Natasha, and Natasha uh, came to us severely cross-eyed, had her eyes kind of uh, in, all, in, in every direction, and, and um, we fell in love with Natasha. My mom and dad fell in love with Natasha, and, and they helped to pay for her surgery to get her eyes fixed, uh, we told her that we had planned on adopting her. We had all intention to adopt Natasha, and uh, we sent her home to Belarus uh, and expecting to have her back, but then suddenly the government shut down the adoption program, and we had no contact with her whatsoever. And we couldn't explain to her what had happened. We couldn't tell her that we still loved her, that, that we still wanted to adopt her. And my parents began to circle that situation. They began to pray. And the prayer would start out, God, would you, uh, would you make a way, God, for us to contact her, for us to, to, to bring her back? Would you make a way? And eventually over the years, the prayer just turned into, God, would you look after her? Would you protect her? Would you, would you find a family for her? Would you provide for her? Well, Years later, we moved to Squim, which was about two hours away from our house where we lived at the time in Tacoma, where we had hosted her. And again, we had no contact with her, no way to tell her where we were or that we moved. And one day, my mom uh, was reading the local newspaper, the Squim Gazette, and she saw in the newspaper, I think I'm getting this right, she saw in the newspaper uh, a picture of Natasha with a family there in Squim, and my mom lost it. What is Natasha doing on this page in our local newspaper? And she just so happened to somehow know this woman, this family, because uh, we were involved in homeschooling stuff together. I can't remember exactly what the connection was. But she reached out to her, got in contact with her, and we were able to bring Natasha over to our house and have that conversation. My parents had that conversation that they never got to have. We love you. We wanted to adopt you. This is what happened. And it just so happens that this family who lived about five minutes away from our house adopted Natasha. 
And this girl ended up five minutes away from our house. She's still involved in our life today. She's still, we still see her all the time. We talk to her on Facebook. She's come over. Uh, when we lived in Squim, she would come over and make cookies with us. And uh, she was a part of our family, uh, although she was adopted by another family. And, uh, she came down and lived with us in Vancouver for a while. She even came down and lived with my parents in Vancouver for a while. And uh, it was just a miracle. But it was one of those miracles that needed to be circled for years and years and years until finally an answer was given. My, my, the point to that is that we can never give up on those things that we're praying for. We, cannot, we can never shelf a prayer. But I believe that we're supposed to press in until we see breakthrough. Jesus gives his listeners, his, his, his followers, some guidelines or some tips for how to pray. His disciples came to him and said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to hear from Jesus himself how to pray. By the way, the title of my message today is When You Pray. When You Pray. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 5 all the way through verse 15. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I love this next part. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans do, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is giving his listeners some tips, some guidelines. This is how you should pray. So what are some of those things that Jesus talks about? Well, one of the first things that he says is that when you pray, number one, have a place. When you pray, have a place. Verse six, he says, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Daily prayer is meant to be relational. It's meant to be a place where you can pour out your heart to God, where you can have an honest conversation with the Lord and give him all of your fear, all of your anxiety, all of your worry, all of your frustration. Do you know it's okay to be frustrated with God? It's okay to be angry. He's a big boy. He can take it. He's got thick skin, okay? It's okay to be frustrated with God, but, but we need a place where we can close the door and be honest with God. See, uh, that type of prayer is, is, is limited in a corporate setting. Even, 
even with your spouse, praying with your spouse, sometimes you, you, can't, you can't say all the things that you'd want to say even next to your spouse or your kids. So it's so important that we have a place that we can go into our room. We can pray in secret where no one can see, but God, Jesus says that God can see us and we pour out our heart to him. We give him all of our, all of our stuff. So the first thing Jesus says is have a place. The second practical thing he tells us he says, have a time. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus had a time. It says, very early in the morning while it was still dark. How many of you get up very early in the morning while it's still dark? God bless you. You are a strange bunch. I don't, I don't know how you do it. I think it's because I have three young kids, but I don't want to get up before they get up because they get up early. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus had a place, and he had a time. He was consistent. Prayer is about consistency. Your prayer life is about consistency. It's, a, it's not about a grand explosion prayer that you make one day and you go, wow, that had to do it. Heaven had to have heard me then. No, Prayer is about those small choices and the small sacrifices that you make every day to say no to one thing in order to say yes to prayer. You've got to say no to something in order to make time for prayer. That Netflix show will always be there, right? You can sleep in another day, but we have to make time for prayer. It's about consistency. I think Jesus picked the morning because it's really smart to, to start the day off with God, wouldn't you say? It's very difficult for me because I have three young children, and so uh, I, I typically have to choose to end my day with prayer uh, because my kids get up early, and I am not a five o'clock morning person, so I don't think you want to experience me at five o'clock. But I, here's, a, here's a practical tip. If, if you're just getting into a habit of prayer, or maybe you've never started a habit of prayer, um, don't bite off more than you can chew right right off the bat i think a lot of people do this okay i'm going to spend 30 minutes this prayer and this is what happens maybe you've experienced it before they get on their knees and their prayer goes something like this oh, jesus thank you so much for my family thank you for my house god i just thank you that you're my provider you are great you are holy thank you for my job oh what time is it i gotta get to work you know what Oh, I could stop by that new coffee shop on my way to work. Oh, shoot, they're probably closed because of COVID. Man, I hate this COVID stuff. I'm, this mask is so stupid. Man, the person yelled at me at Costco the other day. I couldn't believe it. I'm so mad. Oh, what was I doing? Oh, God, I'm sorry. I was talking to you. Uh, where were we? Has anybody had a prayer experience like that before? It's hard to stay focused. It's hard to have a focused prayer time. And so my encouragement to you is if you're just jumping into uh, forming a habit of prayer, don't bite off more than you can chew right off the bat. I would suggest stick with five minutes of focused prayer. No distractions. If you need to, <clears throat> if you need to get out a piece of paper and write down all the things, it's, go going on in your head about what you need to do and you go to work or whatever, do that before you get to your prayer time so you can have five minutes of focused prayer. And what's gonna happen is after five minutes of focused prayer, you'll get up the next morning and go, hey, that, wasn't, that was pretty quick. I think I can go a little bit longer today and maybe extend that to 10 minutes. But here's what a lot of studies have shown, that if you commit to five minutes of prayer or commit to five minutes of whatever you're trying to form a habit into and, and, and the five minutes 
you know, comes up and you go, oh, I could go a little bit longer and you go for about 10 or 15 minutes. The next day you might wake up and go, oh man, that was a long time. I don't know if I got time for that today. Versus if you just stuck to that five minutes. This is for people who are just starting this habit. If you just stuck to that five minutes, you'll wake up the next morning with more energy and, and you'll be more ready to continue on with five more minutes of prayer. So start small. Start in bite-sized chunks. It's about consistency. It's about doing it every day. It's about, it's about putting time aside every single day to spend with God. We can do five minutes, to fo- five minutes of focused prayer a day, can't we? Come on. So Jesus said, have a place, have a time, Another thing Jesus said was, have a plan. Have a plan. He said this, don't keep on babbling like pagans do. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus is so honest, isn't he? Come on, don't babble on like an idiot. I know lots of people who don't like to pray because they don't think that they're eloquent enough. They go, I don't, and I, my friend who's been going to church for years and years, he says all these big, long Christian words, and I just don't think I can pray as good as my friend. You know what? Jesus says it's not about how you pray. It's not, excuse me, it's not about the long words. It's not about how eloquent it sounds. It's about relationship. It's about honesty. It's about consistency. It's about prioritizing time with God every single day. Have a plan. I don't know if you saw these on your way and I hope everyone got one of these. These are free for you. So if you did not grab one on your way in, you can grab one on your way out. Uh, you can also download it. If you're watching online, good morning. I'm sorry I didn't say hello to you. You can download this on our website as well. But this prayer guide is meant to help you in your prayer life. If you have never developed a consistent prayer life before, maybe you don't know where to start. Maybe if you're like me, you've got on your knees and you're getting ready to pray and you go, I don't even know where to begin. I feel like I've said all I need to say and I don't know <clears throat> what I can pray differently or how I can pray differently, this guide is meant to give you a template or some, some help as you pray. And, it, and I promise you, it'll make your prayer life more fun when you understand how different and how life-giving prayer can be. These are full of great plans. And Jesus said to have a plan. And the first plan that we can see uh, in this guide <clears throat> is actually the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is the first guide that, that we see in this book. And I want to talk about the Lord's Prayer this morning kind of as a, as a template for our prayer life. And I would ask that um, as you pray through these 21 days, look through this guide and uh, maybe consider uh, trying out one of these, one of these plans uh, on one of your days. But let's talk this morning, for the rest of our time, let's talk about the Lord's Prayer. Why does Jesus, his disciples, you can imagine... His disciples come to him and go, okay, we're talking to the Messiah. We're talking to the Son of God. If there's anybody to ask how to pray, this is the guy, right? And then the, the words that they've always wanted to hear come out of Jesus' mouth. This is how to do it, okay? I can imagine there were a lot of times where Jesus didn't just flat out say, this is how you do it, guys. But this time in particular, Jesus says, this is how you're supposed to do it. Let me show you how you should pray. And his disciples lean in. Okay, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus starts with this. Our Father. Before we go any further, we have to recognize the fact that this prayer 
is meant to be a corporate prayer. It's a community prayer. Jesus is using this as an opportunity to unite his church because he's using language all throughout this prayer with our, us, and we. He wants to he wants to bring his community of believers together and see unity in his followers because I believe that a church that prays together stays together. Come on, a church that prays together changes, yes. A church that prays together, come on. And I would say a church that prays together changes the world together. That they, you can move mountains as a praying church, a church that is united in love and unity and devotion to God, prayer to him, This is meant to be a corporate prayer, but he goes on to say, our Father, our Father. It's so nice to know that God isn't interested in religion. He doesn't want us to practice religion. He desires a relationship with us. The Bible makes it clear that we've been adopted into his family, that he has made us his children, and we get to call him Father. And starting our prayer time acknowledging him Uh, as our father and this relationship that we have with him is powerful and he takes delight in it knowing that we are his children and we we see that see we approach God with childlike faith when we do this when you're a father when when you're a kid and and you approach your dad uh you know as as a dad when my kid comes to me and I say and he, he says hey dad I'm trying to think of a good example you know can we can we go here? And I'll say, I just tell him, yes, we'll go there in five minutes. There's, just, there's this thing about a child that takes you at your word. That when you're young and you have this childlike faith, you take your father at his word. And that is how we're supposed to approach God. That when we read his promises in his word, or when he says something to us in our prayer time, we take him at his word because we have childlike faith. Our God is caring and protective and he's accessible and approachable. And I know that this is a hard point to make for people maybe in the room who did not experience an earthly dad who was approachable. Maybe you had an earthly dad that was distant or absent or just cruel. He was a jerk. And it's hard for you to see God as this approachable, caring father. And right now, I just want to pray for you Just, if that's you, receive this. Father, I pray for all the hearts in this room that have been broken by their earthly dads. God, that you would show them the love of the Father, that you care for your people, you care for your children, that you came for us, you died for us. God, show us your love as the best dad that we've never known. In Jesus' name. Ooh, I didn't expect that. Okay. God wants to be seen as your father. He wants you to know that you can come to him for anything, that he's accessible, he's approachable. The next thing that Jesus says, he says, hallowed be your name, great is your name. There's power in the name of Jesus and when we proclaim who he is, we not only worship him, but we remind ourselves how powerful and how great our God is. You know, because we have this accessibility to God and because he's, are approachable and because he's he's a fatherly figure it does not mean that our relationship with him is void of respect yes he's your father yes he cares for every detail in your life yes he wants you to come to him but you have to also remember that you are speaking to a being that is unequaled in the universe that he is the creator of all things And he invites you into a relationship with him, yes, but he is still the creator of all things. So when we come to God, we approach him with openness and vulnerability, but we approach him with respect and with honor 
and giving him the, 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 the honor that he deserves, lifting up his name. Great is your name. He's holy, he's righteous, he deserves our honor, he deserves our respect, our worship belongs to him. This is how Jesus says we should start our prayer. Our Father in heaven, great is your name. Then he goes on to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, part of being a child of God is caring about what God cares about. A lot of us come in our prayer time with a list of things. We have this agenda. These are the things I want you to take care of today, God. And we don't first seek what's on his heart. What is his will for the world? What is his will for my life? What are the things that God cares deeply about? Those are the things that we should start off our prayer time with. So what are the things that God cares about? We know in his word that he cares about saving the lost. He cares about wisdom and guidance for those in authority. Whether that's parental authority, spiritual, governmental, work-related authority. He cares about the poor and the marginalized. He cares about unity and love. He cares about justice. He cares about freedom for those in bondage. He cares about accomplishing his purpose in our lives. And these kinds of things are the things that should come first on our prayer list when we come to God. We say, God, what is your will? What's on your heart today? How can I partner with what you're doing? Because the opposite is not true. I think some of us, we come to God and we say, God, could you hop on my schedule? Can you make your priorities my priorities? Can I just steal a little bit of your attention or a little bit of your time so you can help me deal with my stuff? But in reality, our prayer life should be, God, what is on your heart? How can I partner with you and what you're doing in, in our hearts and what you're doing throughout the world? What's your will? Then Jesus goes on to say, give us today our daily bread. God promises to supply all of our needs. And he wants us to come to him with our problems and our desires and to trust him to provide. Last week I, I, I shared from Philippians about how Paul instructs us instead, to, instead of worrying, what does he instruct us to do? He says to pray. Pray instead of worry. If you're in this place and you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from or you are, you're worried about uh, something that, that's happening uh, in, in your life and you're wondering how it's going to be answered and trust that the Lord is your provider and the, and the word says to pray instead of worrying. Ask God for what you need today. It might even help before you pray to write down those concerns that are weighing on your heart and bring them to God. Trust, trust them, excuse me, trust God enough and hand them over to him fully. And what I find helpful is also um, when I, when I use my physical acts to represent what's going on in my heart, and when I'm praying for, for God to provide, I like to put out my hands as an act of surrender to him, an act of, of receiving uh, provision from him, trusting God. And, and, I, and I like to put out my hands. I, I would encourage you, maybe put out your hands when you're asking God for provision. Let me say this, that problems can either be ours or they can be God's, but they can't be both. Our problems can be ours or they can be God's, but they can't be both. We can't be consumed in worry and still live a life that is, that is, uh, that is ready to do what God tells us to do. We need to surrender our worry to him. 
Then Jesus goes on to say this, forgive us as we forgive others. And I think that this is a testament to this relationship, this intimate relationship that we have with God because we can speak directly to God about our sin. He knows the sin that we've committed. We can't hide it from him. So why not talk to him about it? I think a lot of the time when we come to God, we, we, we steer off of that subject. I don't want to bring that to God's mind. I don't want to bring attention to my sin. God knows what you're doing, okay? You're not hiding anything from him. And he invites you to talk to him about it. Let's talk about your sin. Ask for forgiveness. You know, in the Old Testament, when the people of God wanted their sins absolved, they had to bring an offering to, to a priest, to the high priest, where the priests would then offer, would make their sacrifice to God. And even practicing Catholics today believe that your sins, uh, certain sins aren't fully absolved unless you confess to a priest. But Jesus says himself, come to me and ask for forgiveness. Speak directly to me about your sin. And this doesn't mean that confession with one another is not important because it still plays a vital role in our freedom and our healing. But God invites us to come and talk to him about our sin. And then he goes on to say this, forgive others. Did you know that it's wrong to ask God uh, for something that we aren't willing to give to others? This is one of the most mind-blowing scriptures. This is one of the hardest passages for me to read right here when Jesus says that if you do not forgive others of their sins, he will not forgive you of your sins. I go, what? Does your word really say that? God, I thought you were supposed to be this just all-encompassing, gracious, merciful, without, without, and, and he is, he is, but I'm not saying this. His word is saying this, okay? That if you don't forgive others of their sin, he won't forgive you of your sin. This is a big deal to Jesus. He wouldn't say this unless it was a big deal. That we are supposed to extend forgiveness to those around us because we have been first forgiven for our sins by God who is perfect and without blemish. And he invites us, if you want forgiveness for your sin, you need to forgive others which is cause for every time we spend, every, every time we come to God in prayer, there should be a moment where we reflect and a moment where we search our hearts and we say, God, is there anything in here? Is there any person I need to forgive? Is there anything that's keeping me from stepping into the fullness of what you have for me? Would you show me what that is? We need to spend time in reflection of that every time we pray. And then Jesus goes on to say this, Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Ooh, Jesus is going into spiritual warfare here. He is realizing that we have an enemy who is trying to steal from us. He's trying to kill us. He's trying to destroy us. And as we pray, we take our stand against the enemy and fight from a place of victory through Jesus as we're empowered by his Holy Spirit. There's power in God's word and every lie the enemy has told can be replaced with a truth that is in God's word. When you recognize that the enemy wants to destroy you, you can shed light on his lies. See, we can't continue on ignoring that we have an enemy because sometimes the problems that occur, not every problem that occurs in our life, but sometimes the problems that occur in our life are an attack from the enemy. And we have to recognize that in order to combat it 
If we don't know how to, if we don't recognize when the enemy is attacking us, we can't combat it. And we need to recognize that sometimes the enemy is after us. He's out to steal and kill and destroy. And when we see that, we can fight back with God's word, with God's truth. And in our prayer time, we can use God's word and his truth to fight against the enemy. The Bible tells us in James 4, 7, that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And through prayer, we can resist him and walk forward in freedom. And then in the New King James Version, this prayer ends, Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. God is more able to move in every situation. And ending our prayer, claiming this authority, focuses our minds on the truth that he has authority over, over whatever it is. That when we declare to God, Jesus, you have the power you have the authority. God, I'm praying for this in my life, and I know you can do it. You have the power. You did it before in your word. God, I'm praying for provision. God, you multiplied the fish. You multiplied the bread. I've seen you do it once. I know you can do it again. God, I'm asking you for healing. I saw that you did it in this person's life. I saw that you did it in your word. I'm asking you to do it again because you have the power. You have the authority. God, I'm praying for breakthrough from this addiction because I remember Jesus when the man in chains came to you after you got off the boat and you set him free from his demons. God, I know you've done it once. You can do it again. And when we end our prayer acknowledging, God, you are able, you are capable. I know that you can do it. We build our faith as well. We ignite something in us knowing there's this hope, there's this spark, knowing that God can do it. He's going to do it. And we hold on to that promise tightly. This prayer, the Lord's prayer, which should actually be more appropriately titled the disciples prayer because Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray it acknowledges that God's presence is necessary his presence is necessary spending time with him is necessary we can either walk alone or with our hand in God's hand and as we close today we're going to do a couple more things we're going to take communion together as a church family Uh, But first, before we go any further, I want us to say the Lord's Prayer together. It was designed to be a a corporate prayer. It's designed to be a community prayer. So let's read this together. Here we go. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise this morning? Can we lift up his name? A thousand years, a thousand years after the Jericho miracle, there was another miracle that happened in the exact same place right in front of Jericho, two blind men in the book of Mark come to Jesus and they cry, Son of David, have mercy on us. And what does Jesus do? As they approach Jesus, Jesus looks at them. They're two blind men, so they're probably doing this. And you know what Jesus says? What do you want from me? That's a silly question to ask. I mean, they're doing this. But Jesus says, what do you want from me? And they go, Lord, I want to see. 
Do you think Jesus asked them that because he didn't know what they wanted? No. Jesus asked them that because he wanted to make sure that they knew what they wanted. You have to know what you want in order to pray in such a way that makes a difference. He made them spell it out. Jesus made them spell it out not because he didn't know what they wanted. He wanted them to make sure they knew what they wanted. Stake a claim in God's promise. Don't just read the Bible. Circle its promises. Start circling its promises. Both, both physically in your Bible, you can start circling those promises of God that you see, but also spiritually. That when you read a promise in God's word that is for you, start circling it in prayer. Thank you, God, that you said this about my life. Thank you, God, that I have freedom in you. Thank you, God, that I am sinless. Thank you, God, for this. Start circling those promises. Don't just make a wish. Write down the list of God-glorifying goals in your life. And don't just pray. I encourage you to keep a prayer journal. As we go through these 21 days of prayer, keep a prayer journal and keep note of all those things that God is answering in your life. Define your dream. Claim your promise. Spell out your miracle. Know what you want when you ask him. And you know what? There's just sometimes that we need to stop praying for something and we need to start praising for something. Sometimes God has already given an answer in his word. Sometimes he's already given you a yes. And we start praising him in advance for the fulfillment of those promises. If God already said yes, he's given you a promise, then start praising in advance for the fulfillment of those promises. Let me pray. And then we're going to take communion together as a family. It's another thing that Jesus told us to do in remembrance of him. And I believe that there is no better way to start 2021 than in prayer and in communion. So let's pray. Would you, would you open up your communion packets with me and just grab the bread? Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you, God, that you invite us into a rich, fulfilling relationship with you. God, I thank you that prayer does not have to be heavy and tedious, but God, prayer is meant to be life-giving. It's meant to be refreshing. God, would you teach us to pray in such a way that brings us life, God, that brings you joy. We want to make you proud, God. We want to make you happy. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, that as we start these 21 days of prayer, would you begin to fill up our hearts, fill up our tanks, Jesus, to full, in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for your body that was broken on the cross. And Isaiah 53 says that he was bruised for your healing. He was broken so that your body could be whole. And when we take of the bread, we recognize that we serve a God and we partake. We partner in the death of Jesus. We're, we're, we're partnering with him in, in, in the fact that he broke his body so that we could have healing. And if you are in this room and you need healing from something, if you're in this room and you need breakthrough from something, know that God's body was broken so that you could find wholeness. Jesus, we thank you for your body. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's take the bread together. And take the cup. God, we thank you for this cup that represents your blood. 
And we know, Jesus, that a relationship with you in which we can approach you in our prayer would just not be possible if it wasn't for your blood. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for your sacrifice and what you did. So God, we thank you that our sins are forgiven. God, that when we come to you and ask you for a clean slate, you are more than willing to give us a clean slate. You are more willing, you are more than willing to hit the reset button. And Jesus, I thank you that we are free, that you see us as righteous. We thank you for your blood. In Jesus' name, let's take this together.